Have you ever thought very hard about the concept of value? How aware are you of how you express your perception of value when it comes to the things and people around you? And what does that all say about how you value yourself? Welcome to the Inner Space Revolution podcast. Thank you for listening because today I'm going to discuss a perspective on money and values. And it's not only a difficult concept to communicate, but it is also a potentially controversial one because everybody has deep triggers around money and most of us will do anything not to deal with them. So, you know, just keep that in mind if you get mad at anything I say at this point in the episode. And remember that I am pulling from my own experience and that yours or others may have slight variations and exceptions because you have different experiences than me. But, you know, try not to use that as an out from feeling your triggers, okay? So what I'm going to cover today is this basic concept that what we value and put energy toward in this world directly reflects how much we recognize our inherent value as a human being. When I slowly started to connect the dots Uh, around how my unhappiness and struggle was a reflection of so many years and generations even of inheriting how I shouldn't treat myself with respect, there was definitely a lot of shame and sadness to process. So just know that if you're intent on exploring this idea, it's okay to take your time and take it slow. Values are driven by the subconscious. And therefore, it helps to learn to work with them at the energetic level. I have a little video on my Instagram about formulating energetic values instead of tangible aspirations like money or family, because the tangible always points to something intangible. It's not that I don't think you should value physical things or tangible things. It's that we just need to go deeper. The intangible things are things that we may or may not be aware of that we are valuing. And it is always in our interest to maintain awareness of what these intangible values are because these things, the subconscious things, are what drives our experience of the world. What we place intangible value on is not necessarily something we always know what we're doing, even if we think we do. For example... A narcissist on a conscious level may argue that he or she deserves the world, and so they may treat himself or herself with the best successes and luxury purchases that money can buy. But on a subconscious level, there may be a deep trauma and anxiety around how much value they actually would be to the world or anybody else if they were to be truly authentic. In other words, they don't actually recognize their inherent value as a human being. So I'll explain more of that a little bit later. But before I get into that, no one said working with energy is an easy road. But as always, it has a high potential to be wonderfully fulfilling if you can, one, be deeply honest with yourself about what pains and traumas you've experienced, and two, 
push through the shadow work of realizing those pains and traumas without indulging in blame or shame against yourself. And remember, if you do take on this process, take your time and having some energetic or therapeutic support always helps too. So why do I want to talk about value? Well, for one thing, as I've hinted at, some of my biggest lessons in life have challenged me to face what I value and how I value myself. And in fact, if you look at my astrology chart, my struggles with self-worth are highlighted big time in the second house, also known as the house of money and value, because what is money but a store of value? And so if I talk about money and value kind of interchangeably, this is why. Uh, But I won't get too much into that in this episode, because this is just about understanding the concept of value. And so, yeah, that's why... I want to talk about value because when someone has been through it, when I've been through it, you get pushed to share the experience. And I've been a little bit behind on that and seeing uh, that other people may be struggling with this. So yeah, eventually I do want to talk a lot more about tangible money and finance from this emotional perspective, but I can't do that without giving you this foundational take on value. And it may feel strange if you have never heard anyone say that your self-worth, your value is related to your bank account. But keep in mind that when I say that, it does not at all mean that if you have a lot of money in the bank, then that always means you have high self-esteem because that's not the case. Naturally, the correlation isn't that simple. So let me break it down. Let me just give you some context about where my brain was 10 years ago, back when I was working 60-hour weeks, exhausted, waitressing, and also doing freelance personal assisting. Um, I was cleaning out my computer a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I found this writing that I did from that time 10 years ago that I don't think I ever published, thank God. Although I feel like I intended to because I thought it was so sassy and will get so many Tumblr likes from all the people who were as angry and confused as I was about my growing privilege. So just warning, it's a little bit embarrassing, but okay, here, here we go. Nobody ate kale chips in 1999. I didn't know what kale was until I was 25. My soy sauce-loving lineage lives in close quarters with diabetes, so I do very much appreciate this positive shift in culture towards hardcore health consciousness. However, I can't help but notice that feigning knowledge about the ingredients on nutritional labels has become a legitimate topic of small talk in privileged city circles right alongside making references to classic literature you've never read, or that glass-blowing class you're taking for fun, but deep down, you know you're going to be the next Chihuly. I feel like a generally healthier person because I'm starting to eat healthy food, so does that mean I'm allowed to slather my toast with butter sometimes? Don't you dare make a Paula Deen joke at me. Yeah, I don't mind healthy. 
Healthy is good for everyone. Healthy definitely will not kill me. What will kill me is the nostalgia or letting the fun slip away into memory. Things like chunky, fatty pork longanisa sizzling on the grill or the deep fryer at H. Salt Esquire Fish and Chips who doesn't recognize me anymore. And for every $4 pack of jicama sticks that taste like crunchy water, I know there's a Twinkie somewhere oozing tears of sweet cream filling. How many Hostess cupcakes have I abandoned for this life of snack snobbery? Do some parents on the suburban t-ball game snack rotation still bring Pringles and corn nuts and Capri Sun to the diamond for immediate ravaging by little hands like they did back in the day? What I'm trying to say is I miss Squeeze-Its. Their slogan embodies certain aspects of modern health culture perfectly. Squeeze the fun out of it, indeed. But if I sprinkle potatoes with chunks of sea salt, I swear I can taste Lay's. Okay, the end. (laughs) Fun fact, 10 years later, my body literally cannot stand processed food anymore, and my current self will talk anyone's ear off about the energy of food and why I have such a bougie-sounding grocery list. So it's just funny to read this. (laughs) How different. Uh, How much I have indulged in the healthy food, quote-unquote, trend. When, honestly, this is how food should be. But I'm, I'm going to talk about food in another episode if you guys are interested. But anyway, why did I share this passage? I shared it because I think it's a really good example of how conflicted I felt 10 years ago about the direction I wanted to grow in. And it shares that all through the lens of food. So when I read this, I feel that clearly I was beginning to value healthy food at the time of writing, which uh, I remember it was costing me a lot of money, a lot of time prepping and cooking, and I was working 60-hour weeks. I didn't have a lot of time for that. Um, And I remember it was difficult for me to justify why I should spend time and money valuing these things, especially when other people don't have enough. Other people are suffering. They don't have this opportunity. And, you know, recognize the energy. This was guilt energy, very toxic. But I was also wrestling with the real reasons why I wanted to eat healthy. Was it because I was just following trends? Uh, Was I reprioritizing fun? Was healthy boring? And it looks like according to what I wrote, the only good reason I could come up with to keep my old eating habits going was that I was abandoning a part of me that grew up attached to all these junk food brands, which of course is a weak sauce reason because we know that these highly industrialized foods are the brain children of million dollar marketing and pricing campaigns designed to do exactly that, breed nonsensical loyalty and addiction. But like I said, I'm not going to talk about food today. I'm going to stay on track and not get into that. But what I do want to point out is that me switching to healthy food was only a small reflection of the major shifts happening in every aspect of my life over several years at that time. Shifts in work, relationships, belief systems, habits, etc. And I was conflicted about all of them in very similar ways. 
But to give you a quick summary, uh, what was I conflicted with? I was conflicted about spending on healthy food when there is cheaper food available. I was conflicted about setting boundaries with loved ones because I was afraid to be judged and disowned. I was conflicted about ceasing to indulge in what was at the time very common in friendships, mindless gossip, shopping, unnecessary spending, because I was afraid of being the little kid alone at lunchtime again. How could I be of value if I didn't connect to others in these ways? I was also conflicted about leaving the struggle of the 60-hour work week that sidelined my actual talents because what else am I going to do with my life? Who would hire me? How am I going to make money? Um, Just some side notes, I had literally made peace with the thought that I'd never make over 40K in my life. (laughs) And I told myself I was meant to forever assist creative people because I personally could never get a creative job. Like who would, who would hire me for creating things? Um, and you know, 10 years later, clearly both beliefs were very wrong. Uh, but it did take some time for me to actually believe (laughs) that those things weren't true. So, um, looking back, the bottom line was that I felt conflicted about valuing myself more because, you know, there's a layer of it feeling selfish. There is another layer of it coming in direct opposition of what was comfortable, what was familiar, which was that I was surrounded by people around me who all this time were receiving what I can only refer to as energy leaks. So looking back, I was exhausted. I was broke because I was leaking energy all the time for everyone else to enjoy, whether that meant I was, you know, gossiping all the time, uh, indulging in listening to people's venting without taking any action to solve their problems. Um, I was doing things I didn't have the energy for out of obligation. I was working for people who complimented me for being a workhorse with good work ethic. And I enjoyed those compliments. felt good. It gave me temporary satisfaction uh, to let everybody else enjoy my energy because basically I didn't feel deserving of funneling that toward me. So... If you ask me what triggered the shift in perspective, what showed me that I deserved to hold my own energy for myself? And I wouldn't say it was overnight. Um, It was actually, I had started a very dedicated yoga practice at the time that calmed my anxiety and it was just a way to work out. So I'm pretty sure that it was that. Shout out to Yoga to the People, by the way. I would have scoffed at paying $20 for a yoga class before them, but after a year of regular sliding donation classes where I would contribute a minimum of $2 if I had it, I did start to feel the value that yoga brought to my life and was willing to invest in it more and more. 
Before that, I was the person who complained about $30 yoga classes for the privileged. But over time, even when my income wasn't yet booming, I changed my mind. I began to understand why a lot of it was worth that. And now you would laugh at all the things I invest in that, you know, always bring some sort of subtle return. And that's another example, too, of how you know your values are shifting when you start to become aware of what you're spending. So healing in this context can be thought of as realizing your inherent value. So I've been dabbling in finance circles for a bit, and I remember being in a workshop a year or so ago, and the participants were asked, do you think your monthly budget reflects your values? My response was immediate. It was 100% yes, it does. But it was so interesting to me that when everyone else's responses came back, the rest of the respondents, like 90%, said no. Some even admitted that they just didn't want to connect that their Netflix or other subscriptions could mean anything significant about themselves. I understood that, and not surprisingly, the discussion was pretty lackluster afterward. Because if people aren't willing to tell themselves the truth, then no interesting discussions can be had. This example just goes to show that we are still in a society that is so disconnected from ourselves that we cannot even see that the money and time we spend on conveniences and entertainment does in fact reflect how much we value those things. And by the way, you should truly spend your money how you want. I have no judgment here. What I am simply pointing out is how easy it is to be dishonest with ourselves about what we value. The fact that many people cannot admit that their spending reflects their values means that they are already, there's some sort of part of them that is already afraid of judging themselves. Their heart already knows that there's something out of alignment. You may not like that you spend more on Uber Eats and don't have a gym subscription, but you know, the truth is the truth. I get it. It's scary, but don't forget that you do not have to prove that you are of value to start acting like it. The definition of value, the price equal to the intrinsic worth of a thing. Uh, Every life Every being, every soul is fundamentally of value. This means that no matter how you feel about yourself, you're fundamentally of value. This is not a belief. This cannot be changed. This is just fact. We are alive and aware, and that is a beautiful, priceless thing. The tricky part is aligning this fact with our human perception. Our perception of the intrinsic value of ourselves does shift dramatically depending on our experiences, our traumas, what examples we had in our formative years, uh, our ancestral histories, but our actual intrinsic value does not change. So our perception is super important. Our beliefs are super important. These things show up in our habits, what we do, how we move, what we prioritize in our life, how we budget. The types of relationships and behaviors we find acceptable, whether we want to face that truth or not. But if we are intrinsically of value, then when we start to align 
our perception and belief with our actual value. What we do is we align with the ability to access abundance, acceptable behaviors, joy in a natural way. You're not going to be a billionaire because being a billionaire is not natural. But what may happen is that you start to receive the things you didn't know you needed. In conclusion, what we value manifests our experience. It is a filter for our creative energy. As the first law of thermodynamics states, neither matter nor energy can be created or destroyed. Energy can be changed, moved, controlled, stored, or dissipated. However, it cannot be created from nothing or reduced to nothing. Every natural process transforms and moves energy, but cannot create or eliminate it. So ask yourself what sense of value are you created from? How are you transforming your energy and where is it going? On the personal level, when we subconsciously fail to recognize our personal value, our power to create a life of peace and stability can unknowingly be funneled into things like abusive work and relationship dynamics. We get taken advantage of, our energy is siphoned, our freely given power is given away without us knowing because these dynamics unconsciously know how to find our energy leaks. These holes that come from fears, anxieties, and shames about love and money that we haven't healed, that we haven't been able to realize where we haven't been able to realize our inherent value. On the collective level, it's very similar. When we subconsciously fail to recognize our personal value, then our power to create a society of peace and stability can be unknowingly funneled into abusive political dynamics and manipulations. Religious, political, and media institutions take advantage and siphon our freely given power without us knowing because they know how to find and work with our leaking energy. These holes that come from our deepest fears, anxieties, and shames about historical wounds, love, and money. So look for the energy leaks. Ask yourself what you're giving your precious attention to, what your creative energy to. And since everyone likes examples, I'll give my own. But again, keep in mind that this is just me. You might be wildly different. What does paying attention to my energy mean in my life? So focusing on cultivating my energy and value is why I always make sure to give unconditionally, not ever expecting anything in return. It's why I have stopped giving if there is even a sliver of being guilted or obligated to do it. It's why I don't pay extensive attention to political media circuses or pop culture. And I know that's a privileged thing to say. So what I will say is that holding my energy and my value is also why I can funnel this knowledge and acceptance of my privilege and utilize it to help others effectively. It's why I don't indulge in drama very often and therefore I'm probably considered quite boring or cold. But it's also why I don't care as much anymore about how I'm perceived. It's why I'm able to listen intently and pitch in when it's truly needed. 
It's why I treat others as if they have inherent value and power to create the life and society they want to see. It's why I don't care about follower counts or keeping my content consistent. The people who need to hear this will hear it. And it's why I generally enjoy my life because I minimize the energy leaks. If you give unconditionally, you're not expecting anything, like literally nothing. And therefore, you're not thinking about it. Um, And after 10 years, I've created a nice container for my own energy. And I want to funnel that into a peaceful and stable life and society. I'm not going to lie, a lot of it was tough because a lot of energy leaks are built into my cultural background and I had to become aware of that and not excuse things as culture, especially because when I examined these patterns closely, a lot of these damaging patterns stem from survival fears under hundreds of years of colonial rule, for example. Just like the food nostalgia, right? Some of our energy leaks and attachments and nostalgias are actually created by something outside of ourselves that does not have promoting our personal power in its interest. So anyway, if you're early in the container building process, amazing. Um, How I see all of our individual journeys playing into the energy of the future goes like this. We know of our current society as one that seems like it's winner takes all, zero sum. If somebody has something, it means I don't have it. In the future, if we all reach inwards to achieve this sense of abundance and joy and value within ourselves, what happens is that we create a social dynamic of abundance for all that doesn't take away from our own joyous life force. Abundance is not about becoming a billionaire. Abundance is communal. When we own our personal value, we can bring forth and create and share the kind of innovations and resources that matter to the others around us, that nourish others to heal and be able to bring forth and create their own innovations and resources for all. But in order to get to that point, it will be everyone who will absolutely have to go in and face the shadow of our personal value systems. This is all about teaching people to fish, not giving people fish. I know it's tough, but like I said, take your time. That's all for today. And here is to peace and stability and abundance and joy for all. Hope this was a helpful one for you guys. And I'll talk to you soon.